You're listening to a podcast from City Tribe Media. We're an urban tribe that helps people who feel far from God to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. For more fresh content, check City Tribe on YouTube, Instagram, or Facebook. Enjoy the message, and welcome to the tribe. Good morning, City Tribe family, and whoever else may be joining us around the world. Uh, We're so blessed to be able to come to you this morning and and continue to share a word. We've been in a series called uh, Love Angelism, and it's just us being as the body of Christ, us being uh, an agent of compassion to a hurting world. This morning, I want to share with you a, a, a sermon that literally I was asked to do this months ago, uh, a couple of weeks ago, before we even got into the crisis that we're in now with the coronavirus. Uh, and the, the title of my sermon this morning is The Vulnerability of Compassion. Uh, little did I know at that time when that title came to me was that we would be in such a vulnerable place like we are in today. But as we continue in this series, I want to be able to share with you some more practical ways of how you and I can be agents of compassion. A phrase I I use often when I share about compassion is that we are invited to be the hands and the feet and the voice of Jesus to hurting humanity. When my wife Susie and I began in the inner city of San Antonio 20 years ago, uh, it was the beginning of us learning what compassion is really all about. And as I think about that, about us being the hands, the feet, and the voice of Jesus to hurting humanity, I begin to use this phrase, I call it incarnational Christianity. In other words, if Jesus was here, how would he respond when he saw the needs of people? And uh, we get the opportunity, the invitation that is being given to us, uh, not only just because of the crisis that we're in, but in everyday life as a follower of Jesus, is that we get to represent the heart of our Father for hurting humanity. The text that I want to use this morning, just in beginning, is found in Matthew chapter 14. And we're going to be looking at verses 13 through 21. And it was a story when Jesus was uh, dealing with a group of people that were coming around. It's a miracle that we see in the Bible, and it's called the feeding of the 5,000. And today I'm not going to look as much at the miracle that took place, but I want to key in on one particular phrase in this scripture that we'll we'll use as a launching pad to what I want to share with you today. As I look at three things about the invitation that Jesus is extending to us as believers. In verse 13, we begin to read, it says, And when Jesus heard about John, he's speaking of John the Baptist, that was his relative. Uh, He was a forerunner to Jesus coming, uh, bringing salvation to humanity. And uh, he had, had died. And so Jesus heard about John, and he withdrew from there in a boat to a secluded place by himself. And when the people heard of this, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when he went ashore, he saw the large crowd, and he felt compassion for them, and he healed their sick. I don't have time to get into it now, but when you look at that word compassion in the New Testament over and over again, you will see so many times, not every time, but many times, that Jesus saw and then he felt He saw the people, and then he felt. And we'll look at that more in just a moment. 
But the Scripture says in verse 15, that when it was evening, the disciples came to him saying, the place is desolate and the hour is already late. We need to send the crowds away that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Now, this is coming up to the phrase I want to focus in on this morning when we look at the vulnerability of compassion. But Jesus said to them, they don't need to go away. And then he turned to his disciples and he said, you give them something to eat. That was the invitation that Jesus was giving to his disciples that were walking with him that day. And I submit to you today that it's the same invitation that he is giving to us. He is inviting us to meet the needs of hurting humanity. And so as we look at this passage, as we look at it as, as it a, a foundation or a launching pad, if you will, it is an invitation that is being extended to us. The first point that I want to make is that Jesus invites us to join him in seeing and responding to the needs of people. Many, many times when we look at all the needs that are around us, it's easy for us to say, what can I do? I'm not equipped. I don't have the resources or whatever it may be. But that still doesn't stop the invitation that he is giving to us to incarnate his heart and his actions for hurting humanity. This word compassion that we see in the New Testament, uh, it comes from this really long Greek word that I'm not even going to try to pronounce. Uh, it's a really long word, and I, I'm not going to try that. But in the, in the English translation, it's really kind of a weak translation. It just says to have compassion. But in the Greek, it's a more intense word. And it, it, its meaning is a bit stronger than that. It's more along the lines of being so moved by something that you feel it deep in your stomach. And so thus, that's where I get my definition of what compassion is. It means to be moved in the gut so much that it produces an action. Thus, the phrase comes that I use all the time, that compassion is action. action. So compassion is not just pity. It's just not feeling sorry for someone because of their situation or their circumstance. So it's not just an emotion. It's an emotion that triggers an action. There was a horrific tornadoes that came through the, the city of Nashville. It's a, a city that I've traveled in and out of for the last 25 years. And also one of my daughter, my daughter Emily, lives there. And my wife Susie and I were up in Wimberley just spending the night up there with our grandson Shepherd. And uh, it was about 2.30 in the morning that we get a call from my daughter Ashley that just had a baby. And she was up taking care of her baby. And she said, Mom and Dad, there's a tornado that has come through the city of Nashville. And it's come right through the community where my daughter Emily lives. Needless to say, there was not much sleep that was going on that night. And uh, yes, I had uh, great concern for my daughter. We couldn't get a hold of her. But more than that, by the next morning, I really felt the Lord leading me that I needed to go to Nashville. One of the things that we do with Somebody Cares San Antonio is we respond in times of disaster. 
And when we got there, uh, immediately that next afternoon on Tuesday, I, I bought an airplane ticket with my miles, and I was on my way to Nashville. We got there the first couple of days. There's utter destruction everywhere, uh, huge, huge five-foot round trees laying down. And we went to this one place in the community of Red Bank, which is in East Nashville, and as we looked at all this destruction, there was thousands of volunteers that were pouring in to help. And I remember we went to this one house, and a lady named Stephanie, and as we looked at her house and we looked at her yard that had these massive trees down, we looked at one corner of her house, and the roof was completely gone. And uh, I'll tell you about what happened there in just a moment. But I can remember walking in front of that house and looking and seeing this woman. I didn't know who she was. But I knew that that was the homeowner. I just knew it. And I felt compassion rise up in my heart. And I remember going to Stephanie, and I said, Hi there, I'm Mark Roy with Somebody Care of San Antonio. And, hey, uh, are you the homeowner here? And she goes, Yes. And you could just see uh, all the, just the, the pressure of all that she went through come on her face. You know, and it was in that time, you know, it's like, what do you say to someone? And I just said, Ma'am, uh, can I give you a hug? And as I gave her a hug, you could just feel her just melting. You could feel everything just kind of just falling down. And I just told her, I said, listen, we are here to help. And I, I use that as an illustration just to bring to the attention that every day we walk around people and we can see a lot of people in front of us. But it's when God shows you someone he will give you, your emotions will be triggered, and he will, he will lead you to do some act. For me, it was a simple hug. And then over the next three days, we had over 600 volunteers working in that community, uh, clearing trees, clearing debris, pulling stuff to the curb so it could be picked up. And then she told me this story, that one place in her house where the roof was lifted off, she had a teenage son that was in that room. And when the tornado came through there, her son was sound asleep. It sounds just like a teenager. They don't even wake up, you know. And literally, laying on his bed, the roof lifted off. And what woke him up was when the debris began to fall on his drums in the corner. That's what woke him up. The roof was lifted off, and her son was safe right there. And it was just a, an incredible example of God's sovereign protection over her son. But I felt compassion for her. There wasn't anything much I could do but just be there, and then we began to orchestrate cooking meals for the volunteers and just working. But it was an invitation that God was giving me and giving all the volunteers to come and to respond to people in a time of need. So it was a powerful thing, experience for us, and we've done it for 15 years, responding in times of disaster. But the second thing that we see here is not only does Jesus invite us to see and to respond to the needs of people is that Jesus invites us to make ourselves vulnerable. Now, we don't really like that word. I mean, but really that word is such an appropriate word for the time in which we're in right now because all of us, to some degree, we feel vulnerable. We, we feel vulnerable because of the isolation that could be there, the places we can go, the places we can't go, how close we can be uh, to a person. There's this six-foot separation that we have from everyone. And so when we talk about making ourselves vulnerable, it can be a little scary. And we, and we may again say, listen, I can't do that. 
is for the more gifted people. But as what we have seen in this series, what Lee has taught us, uh, that everyone is qualified. If you're living and breathing, you're qualified. You're a believer in Jesus. You are qualified to be an agent of compassion. And God will use anyone. He's not looking at as much at ability as he is availability. In 1 Corinthians 1, verse 27, it says this, But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. So in other words, we're all qualified. If you feel foolish sometimes, if you feel weak sometimes, you're qualified to be used of God. And all we have to do is when God shows us someone, God shows us some circumstance, we have to respond in faith that God can use us. Listen to this. We have to make ourselves vulnerable. We have to lean into our weakness, lean into our fear, lean into our inadequacies, and if we will do that, I promise you God will show up. And he will allow us to be used of him in, through acts of kindness and serving. And, and man, how apropos is that for right, our time in which we're in right now? In acts of kindness and serving, we can help our brothers and sisters. And God can even use our natural gifts. You may be a carpenter and say, man, you, I, what can I do? You may be a teacher. What can I do? Uh, whatever it is, God will take and use our natural gifts. The passage of Scripture that I thought about when I wanted to talk about the vulnerability of compassion is found in Luke 10, verses 1 through 11. And it's a really special time because it was the time when Jesus sent out the 70, 70 people to go and to represent his kingdom. There's a lot of really great stuff here. I could just preach from this passage for an hour, but I'm not going to do that. But it says this in verse 1, that now after the Lord appointed 70 others, he sent them in pairs ahead of him into every city and every place where he himself was going to come. Now, this, I, was, I want to say this. When I read the scripture a number of years ago, and we've been praying and asking God for there to be a spiritual awakening in America and around the world, we've been praying for a revival, maybe a word that some people use. But I want you to see the principle here. The principle says, as he sent out those to go ahead of Jesus, is that we pray and we ask, God, if you will come, then we'll go. But that's not how it works. What it says here, if we go, then he will come. And so he's waiting for us to respond in faith and to move on that faith in obedience. And God says, I'm going to come. And I promise you, if you will begin to do that on a daily basis, if you'll put your place, put yourself in a place of vulnerability, you will see God do incredible things in your life. Verse 2 says, and he was saying to him, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, beseech, ask the Lord to send out for the harvest, to send laborers for that harvest. It was the same passage of Scripture that Lee was preaching on a couple weeks ago uh, out of Matthew chapter 9. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. When I look at this, I, I just want to make a special point because the problem is not the harvest. There are people all around us that are ready to respond to the love of Jesus, but the problem is the workers. And so as we look at 
where we are in the world today. There are more professed Christians on the planet than there ever been in the history of mankind. So the problem is not quantitative, it's qualitative. It's not the number of people that profess that they're followers of Jesus, but rather it's people that have chosen not just to be a consumer Christian, but to be a compassionate Christian, one that makes themselves available to be used of God to touch the needs of people in everyday life. Listen to the verbiage of vulnerability that we see in verse 3. He says, go and behold, I send you out as lambs amidst, uh, in the midst of wolves. Wolves. That, I mean, that sounds pretty vulnerable, doesn't it? I'm going to send you out like sheep, like lambs, but yet you're going to go into a pack of wolves. And so we see here that there's great vulnerability. And then he goes on, he says, carry no money belt, no bag, no shoes, and greet one another, and, and don't greet anyone on the way. And whenever, uh, whenever a house you enter, first say to them, peace be to this house. And if a man of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. Now, I want you to hear that, that scripture. So he's saying, as you go, as a representative of me, that what are? You carry peace on you. And boy, if that's not a true commodity that we need in everyday life right now, I don't know what is. It's just peace. You carry the peace of the kingdom. We carry the peace of the kingdom. So every place we go, we have opportunity just to bring peace to people. It's happened to me time and time again every day. I walk into the lumber store. I walk into this place, wherever it may be, and I just, the conversation always begins talking about our present circumstance. But he said to them, listen, when you go into a house, you declare to them, peace be to this house. And if they respond, he says in verse 7, stay in that house, eating and drinking, Whatever they give you for the laborer's worker, uh, the laborer's worthy of his wages. Do not don't keep moving around from house to house. In whatever city you enter, and they receive you, eat what is set before you, and heal those who are sick, and say to them, "The kingdom of God has come near you." Now, I want you to see that we serve a king. His name is Jesus. He represents a kingdom. That kingdom declares peace. Now, peace, when you think about peace, peace is not the absence of conflict. Peace is not the absence of conflict. But peace is actually a condition of our heart that in the midst of conflict, we remain at peace. We remain at peace. And it says here, you declare to them that the kingdom of God has come. That's what happens in everyday life. When we choose to make ourselves vulnerable to compassion, incarnating the heart of God for hurting humanity, when you and I do that, what takes place, we can declare peace, and we can declare that the kingdom of God has come near. And then in verse 10 it says, But whatever city you enter in, and they don't receive you, go out into the streets and say this, Even the dust of your city which clings to your feet we shall wipe off in protest against you. And, and yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. So if someone does reject us, if they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting the kingdom of God. 
So we have to be a people. When God shows us something, he shows us a person, he shows us the circumstances, we have to be willing to move in faith by what he's showing us. And so there's four things that I want to just, as I'm closing here, as we look at this, it says that they should do. They had to respond in faith, be willing to move in faith. They had to be obedient to what God was showing them to do. And then you have to move on that. You can't just sit there and see it and obey it in your heart, you have to begin to move. And when you move, the supply will come. And so this was an invitation that he was giving to his disciples, that they, if they would just say yes to be an agent of compassion, if they would just embrace the vulnerability of the moment, is that they would be able to be used of God, declaring peace and declaring the kingdom of God. In verse 17, as he, they were sent out, we saw that in the first number of verses down through verse 9. Uh, but as we look at in, in verse 17 through 23, we begin to see the happy results of them coming back. Now listen to this. The 70 returned with joy. They're happy. Jesus sent them in vulnerability, going, declaring the kingdom of God, And they came back saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Now, what does that mean? That means that when you and I, compassion, representing the heart of the Father, when we come into a circumstance in a situation, we get to displace darkness. In other words, Jesus was saying, I'm seeing spiritually, there's some things shifting in the atmosphere. And that's what happens. That's what happens when you and I move in compassion. I've seen this over and over and over again, whether it's in disaster or in a difficult situation. I believe I'm a carrier of the kingdom of God through compassion. And we we are not called to be thermostats. Or thermometers, I'm sorry, I should say. We're not called to be thermometers, but we are called to be thermostats. We can change, we can change the atmosphere in which we're in. And then it says in verse 19, Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will injure you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are recorded in heaven. Boy, may may we be reminded of that today, that no matter what the circumstances are going on around us, that if you have put faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you have done that, you don't have to fear death. You don't have to fear anything that may happen to this earth because we have a home eternally in Christ. And then he goes on. It says that, Uh, In verse 21, and at that very time, he, being Jesus, it says he rejoiced greatly in the Holy Spirit. And he says, I praise you, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent, and you have revealed them to infants. Okay? That word infant there in the Greek literally means to be simple-minded or to be immature. So in other words, you don't have to go to seminary to be used of God. You don't have to be a full-time minister to be used of God. If, if you are just available to God, God can use you. And then he goes on, yes, Father, for this way was well-pleasing in your sight. In other words, what's he talking about? He was talking about those 70 people going out in vulnerability, 
making themselves available to be used of God, doing what God showed them to do, and in doing so, he says, Jesus, Jesus said to his father, this is well-pleasing in your sight. And then he says in verse 22, he says, all things have been handed over to me by the father, and no one knows who the son is except the father, and who the father is except the son and anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal himself to. And then turning to the disciples, he said privately, Blessed are the eyes which see these things. So Jesus came back, and he heard their declaration of, of what was taking place as they went out represented him. And then it says, it says, He rejoiced greatly in the Holy Spirit. And that means, I believe, he had a happy dance. That's right now, that's when we need uh, some, some dancing music going on because he was having a fit. In, in, the, in the Hebrew, uh, in the Old Testament, that word rejoice means to jump into spin. He got excited because they got it. Jesus gets excited when you and I move in compassion. So the third thing that I want to point out is this, is that Jesus believes that we can do it. John 14, 12 says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than, the, he, than these will he do because I go to the Father. Do you hear that? Jesus said, truly, truly, if you believe in me and the works that I do, guess what? If you believe that, you're going to do those works. And he even says we will do greater works than what he has done. So Jesus gives us the promise of success. He says to us, I have given you authority to overcome all the works of the enemy and to do the works of the kingdom. And uh, it's so important that we go back to the four points that I said a while ago, that what do we have to do? Number one, we have to be willing to move in faith. We have to be obedient to what God has showed us to do, and then we must move on what he has led us to do and to trust God that he will supply our need. God will speak to us. He will show us what we are to do, and he will give you eyes of compassion. In John 5, verse 19, there's a great verse, and it, it really talks about the relationship that Jesus had with his father and it said this, therefore Jesus answered and he's saying to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing on himself unless it's something he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, these things the son does also in like manner. So there's this relationship that Jesus had with the father, that whatever he saw the father doing, he did. And so he was incarnating the heart of the Heavenly Father for hurting humanity. Now, it changes with us as followers of Jesus because then it says in John 14 that the Holy Spirit was given to us to lead us and to guide us into doing the works of Jesus. And so that's what our invitation is for us today, is that we would become agents of compassion. We would make ourselves available just as Jesus, whatever he saw the Father and did doing, he tried to do it or he did do it on the earth. We likewise, when God shows us something, we have to be willing to do it. 
So as we end our time together this morning, I want to remind you that you and I are invited to become agents of compassion. This is what I want to remind you of. Jesus invites us to join him in seeing and responding to the needs of people. Jesus invites us to make, make ourselves to be vulnerable, to be used of him. And then Jesus believes that we can do it. Jesus believes that we can do it. So where we are now, in the time and space in which we're in now with all the quarantine and this and that, that doesn't stop that God still, he still wants to move through us and in us to, to our, our, the people that are all around us. And so I want to pray here in just a moment. And I want to ask you, uh, just to join with me in prayer. And I'm going to ask you to do something that may seem a little bit unusual, um, but that's not the first time I've done something unusual. But if wherever you are, whether you're in your car, watching on your phone, or wherever you're watching online at home on your computer, wherever it is, I want you to put your hands on your eyes like this. And I just want to pray. Father, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus that, Father, we just declare to you that we push away all fear, And Father, Lord, I pray that you would give us eyes of compassion. Father, every day, every hour of every day, Father, would you show us, would you show us how we can be an agent of compassion for hurting humanity? Would you just show us that, Father? Father, I just pray, uh, and just, Holy Spirit, we invite you to come to people right now. And Lord, I just ask you that you would open their hearts and even though they may feel unequipped, though, though they may feel like I'm not gifted enough, Father, would you, would you give them the willingness to move in faith, be willing to obey, and Father, would you allow us to be used in, in our community in this time? Father, I just pray that you would give the faith for them to see, a heart to obey, and a willingness to move on what you show us to do. Father, right now, we just pray over our city, the city of San Antonio. Father, we pray over the state, over our country, and over the world, Father. And Father, we just pray right now that, Lord, that you would release, Lord, just a heart of compassion around the world. That, Father, that, Lord, we know that this is an invitation to us. This is an invitation to us to represent the heart of God. Father, it says in your word that you're forever near the brokenhearted. And so, Father, for all the people where there's pain and where there's brokenheartedness, Father, we pray that your nearness would come to them. Father, we pray over City Tribe. Father, we just pray over, uh, Lord, just our entire community, uh, Lord. And, Lord, even as we face really the unknown is what is the propagator of fear in our lives. Father, we just speak peace, peace to our City Tribe in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. I thank you for Doug and for all our leadership team. That, Father, we look at this situation, and we heard Doug say it last Sunday. We look at it as, Lord, would you give us opportunities to be agents of compassion to our community in this time of need. Father, we thank you for that. I thank you that you're inviting us to join in with your heart.
Father, I thank you for the testimonies and the stories that we're going to hear that as we move in faith and we move in obedience and we begin to move toward doing what you've shown us to do, that, Father, there will be a supernatural supply of everything we need. Father, we speak all of this in the name of Jesus. We're glad you're a part of the tribe today. To further connect with us, check citytribe.church.